This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to remind you that beer does not have a lot of vitamins, so that's why you need to drink a lot of it. He is the captain. That's kind of funny, because my father thinks that Guinness is a protein shake. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, my friends, we are sipping on Rising Haze IPA from the Master Brewers over at Highland Brewing Company. This beer is freshly unfiltered, and Captain, you know how much I love an unfiltered beer. This one is the perfect balance of great flavor and ABV of 7%, which is just perfect. That's why we are giving Rising Haze five bottle caps. Rising Haze, how about some Rising praise for our friends. First up, cheers to Tiffany over in Roy, Utah. And a big shout out to Clay in Rochester, New York. Next up, we go out to Carlsbad, California with a note that says, thank you for being yourselves and also thank you for the amazing music. That's a tip of the cap to the old captain there. From our friend Moth. Oh, very kind words. But uh, like we always say, there's always room to improve. We will always try to be better. And a big shout out to Kyle R. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is going to take all of my energy, Captain, because we don't do it very often. But when we do, mm. it's powerful stuff. Mm. I'm going to give out a double nice jib. Mm. That's a double nice jib. To Garage Guys, Cody Heller and Dan Harmon in Valley Village, California. And I'm going to give this one a shot even just to get a couple of smiles out there. So here we go. Mm. Cheers to Jeanette. No problems there, right? Cheers to Jeanette and Skella left to ham Sweden. <laughs> uh, we we yeah. love you, Sweden. 
We love whatever you want to call your cities. We're fine with it. We love you, Sweden. Thank you to everybody who went to our website and contributed to this week's beer fund. We are forever grateful to you. Thank you so much for supporting the show and sharing the cases on social media. It means so much, and that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Where we left off yesterday, Captain, we have two bodies that were found, and the detectives have now identified the victims as Brian King and Christina Benjamin. Detectives are going to have to canvas the area because now we have our third crime scene to investigate. We already searched and conducted investigations where both bodies were found, and now we have the possible location of where the killer may have picked up the kids at their home asking friends and neighbors if anyone knew anything or saw anything is going to be the top priority on their list and they had a person or two say that the kids were going to meet up with a kid named jason but no one knew jason's last name so you can see we are piecing this thing together pretty good here all right this is a difficult case but it's going to get worse So here's a little warning moving forward. We have to discuss a topic that nobody likes. Nobody likes it at all. We have some cruelty to animals to discuss. Detectives are going to get a very strange lead. This is one of the strangest leads I've ever heard of. And this comes from a police report. Police responded to a strange call. Now this was after Brian and Christina went missing, but before their bodies were found. This takes place in the town of Ennis, Texas, which is just about a 10-minute drive south of Garrett, where our two victims live. Police were called to the McDonald's restaurant. And longtime listeners of this like show Mickey D's. Yeah, longtime listeners of this show know that nothing seems nothing good seems to happen at the McDonald's restaurant on this show. Mm-hmm. This is at the McDonald's, the old Mickey D's, as Captain said, in Ennis. They're called because someone was there killing an animal. Oh, God. By the time the police arrived, the man who was doing something to an animal behind the McDonald's was gone. The man killed a calf and was further mutilating the animal. A calf, not a cat. Correct. The man ran from the scene, but... At the scene, the police found a 1982 tan Subaru. And on the ground near the vehicle, they found a bracelet with the name Jason engraved on it. All right, so we have a tan vehicle. We're looking for possibly somebody named Jason. And in this police report, we have a bracelet found with the name Jason on it, a tan vehicle abandoned behind the McDonald's where a man was reported to have been killing an animal. Can you imagine being at work that day and going, I think that guy is doing something to that animal. We need to call the cops. Yeah, I don't know this area very well. It it seems like a, a strange location for something like this to be going on. Right. Doesn't this seem like a little out in the open for such a 
a weird and bizarre activity. My mind instantly went to picturing, you know, those like zombie movies where, Oh God. Where like the zombies have to like catch a deer for food, but they catch it almost like an animal would. That's, that's what it, what I picture. That's strange because yeah, I, I had a very similar thought when, when I first read about this. So this guy, he is known to police. They traced the vehicle back to a one Jason Eric Massey. And again, police know this guy. He had a history, a criminal record. Of what? Well, Jason Massey was actually pretty much fresh out of the clink. He was sentenced to serve 120 days in jail. This is due to an incident in early 1993, same year. Jason was pulled over and he was driving drunk. And in the car... Police found marijuana and a cat with a noose tied around its neck. Dead? Dead cat? There's different reports. Okay. And I I don't know which one's better. Well, I, I didn't. I guess the live one because the cops can save the cat. Yeah. But in all honesty, Captain, I didn't have the strength to further down that, to go further down that road. I thought yesterday's episode was bad. But you just one-upped it, didn't you? You yeah, just had uh, that, to go and... Uh, that's not what I'm going for here. I am going for a case study, believe it or not, but there there's going to be some bumps along the way, obviously. For all hate mail, send it to nick at truecrimegarage.com. Well, Jason had a bunch of sharp instruments in the vehicle as well. So if the cat was alive, don't use your imagination because you don't really right. have to. Mm-hmm. Some reports say that these were... These were tools, sharp tools, and other reports say that they were weapons. So he was picked up and locked up for these, you know, it's several charges, actually. And Jason's bizarre, violent history goes back even further. A one-time friend of Jason's, this was a female, she told police that Jason was stalking her at some point. When she avoided him, Someone killed the family's dog and smeared the blood of the animal all over the girl's vehicle in their driveway. The girl and the family really firmly believed that it was, in fact, Jason that did this. But unfortunately, law enforcement never had any proof of that. And so Jason. Okay, let me unpack. And really nobody was ever arrested for that horrific act. I think I understand what you're saying, but I might have blacked out for a second. So. He's stalking this girl. She believes he's stalking. Allegedly. And then their dog, the the family dog, ends up dead. Mm-hmm. And they believe the blood from the dog was smeared. On her vehicle. Jeez. In retaliation for who knows what. You know, a lot of times when these... For probably not saying hi to him in class. Or for nothing at all. Because right. these, we do know that these stalkers, they, they, they come up with their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own fantasies, obsessions. Sometimes the relationship, there is no relationship, and there's stuff going on that is not going on that they perceive something that only they could. Right. So who knows what's going on through the mind of this person if, in fact, the person that committed those acts was Jason. I think if if he is the same guy that was doing a similar thing behind the McDonald's, then it looks very likely to me that 
that he's guilty of this as well. Well, right. We already have him pulled over with this cat situation. So I think it's not that big of a leap. Right. So the, the thing now here, Captain, is police need to find and locate Jason Massey and bring him in for questioning because even though he was locked up in early 1993, he was out in time to have possibly been involved in the murders. And again, we know based off of eyewitness or, or witness reports that the kids were believed to have met up with somebody named Jason that night that they went missing. Right. So well, while, and also the car. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, we're, we're starting to get a nice trail of evidence all leading to the same terrible individual. Now, while all of this is going on, police have already picked up two guys. We can venture into this a little more if you wish later, but I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. Some of the reports say that these men were arrested in relation to the murders. I really question the word arrested in those reports. Mm-hmm. And we can get, like I said, we can get into that much more later, but that's where the whole phrase of yesterday's show, there were more than one suspect in this case because there are reports of other people being arrested. Right. These guys were questioned by police because police knew that Christina and Brian knew these individuals, and it appears maybe even quite well. In fact, some newspapers say that one of these guys was Christina's boyfriend. The discrepancy in age, well, I guess discrepancy is not the best word. The difference in age between these two guys and Christina makes me doubt the word boyfriend. I think boyfriend and girlfriend are overused terms. Regardless of what their relationship is or was, one of these guys seems to have known both Christina and Brian, but also Jason Massey. This guy, his name is Christopher Nolan. When asked by detectives, do you know anyone who would want to harm Brian and Christina? This guy, Chris Nolan, says yes, that the police should be looking for a former friend of his named Jason Massey. Right. Chris thought Jason was strange, weird, and violent. He said he had seen Jason kill animals, and Jason once told him if there was ever a serial killer in the area, that it would be him. Hold on a second. You said something there. Animals, plural. Yes. Don't you think after the first time you go, yeah, I'm not hanging out with that guy anymore. Yeah. You have to stick around for the second time. You go, oh, maybe that was an accident. Well, their relationship is a, is a is strange one, and we'll get into that a little bit more as well. So more importantly, what I want to look at here, Captain, is who is Jason Massey? Who is this Goomba, right? Jason Eric Massey is a high school dropout, and he has blonde hair and owns a tan Subaru. Right. That was the one that was found at the anime animal mutilation scene at the back of the McDonald's. He was in jail on a 21 day sentence, but was released a week. I I have here for whatever reason, a week or so before the teenagers went missing. I think my notes are incorrect here. I actually think that it was more, it was just over a month that he was released before they went missing. Right. One of the guys questioned by police said he had introduced Jason to Christina 
So now they have proof or at least a witness saying Jason knew one of the victims. Right. Jason grew up about as poor as one can, and he was raised by a monster of a woman. Jason was only 20 years old at the t- at this time of our story. He was born in 1973 to either a single mother or some reports say daddy left just before or shortly after the boy was born. Jason's mother was a substance abuser and a child abuser. She beat Jason and his younger sister often with a belt. She, she also kept food from her kids. The reports I saw said that she would keep all of the food for the house in her personal bedroom under lock and key. And sometimes the kids were only fed scraps, you know, after mom already ate dinner. Right. This is, you know, when she's hiding the food or locking it up in her bedroom, this stuff is going on in the house when this family was fortunate enough to live in a house or an apartment because they were so poor that sometimes they were living in mom's vehicle. Now, mom brought a lot of terrible men around the kids too. Some of them would hit and bully Jason. And in fact, it's strongly believed that one of them sexually assaulted Jason when he was young. I saw a couple different reports of, of what age he would have been, but he would have been young captain. This would have been, if it happened, it happened between the ages of like eight and 10. Mm-hmm. And Jason and his sister were constantly showing up to school with unexplained bruises. They were dirty and they were hungry. Child protective services was called a few times, but it seems like maybe the ever-changing living situation, the ever-changing addresses, living in and out of a vehicle at times, this really seemed to get in the way of CPS ever truly stepping in and even possibly removing the kids out of that terrible situation. And in Jason's case, it, it may have been too late by that point, even if they would have stepped in and taken Jason from the house and... I think we'll see why. Now, a few weeks ago, we covered the still unsolved Evansdale murders in a statement from one of the victim's families to the unknown killer. There was a very interesting phrase that I want people to keep in mind in regards to what we've just discussed. The interesting phrase to me and and you, Captain, was hurt people hurt. Meaning, of course, sometimes victims become victimizers. And that is what I think we are seeing here with Jason. As he grows up and he's getting bigger and stronger, the once little boy who suffered so much pain dealt out by his mother and the company that she kept, well, Jason goes from being abused to abuser. Right. I mean, it's always that question. uh, Chicken or the egg or Mm -hmm. or nature or nurture. And in, in this case... We have evidence that, that the nurturing was was not correct. There was no nurturing. No, just um, punishment and, and abuse and, you know, on some level, uh, torture. There are also reports that he, once he got older, he bullied and beat up little kids, uh, kids that were younger, weaker than he was. Right. And, of course, we know he suspected of killing innocent animals. 
in his early teens, he gets involved quite heavily with drugs and alcohol. And we always know that drugs and alcohol never make a bad situation better. They always make a bad situation worse. This leads to him. (laughs) This leads to him dropping out of high school. We talked about Catherine Ramslin a little bit in the last episode, and we're going to talk a, a little more about her. In fact, she's a great true crime author. She wrote a piece titled, this, this is a piece that anyone can find on the Crime Library's archives. The piece is very fittingly titled, All About Jason Massey from Victim to Victimizer. And I recommend everybody check that out if they want to learn more about this case. So let's see what kind of evidence that we can get on this guy, right? So first of all, we have the witness statements. Persons who knew Massey says he was going to become a serial killer, that he killed animals. A younger female saying he stalked her. During questioning, they couldn't get Massey to confess to the murders, Law enforcement does have statements of persons saying that one or both of our young victims had planned to sneak out that night with a guy named Jason, but Jason denies knowing either victim. And he says he didn't even own a gun. Well, that's a nice piece of defense, Mm -hmm. but we have a girl come forward and she says she saw and interacted with Jason Massey the night I'm sorry, the evening leading up to the murders. She says in Was his he stalking her. I, I don't know. There, there's not a, a detailed report about what they were doing. I don't know if they were just hanging out or if it was a casual hello. But the important part here is she's saying that that she saw him in the possession of a gun that evening. She also saw him in possession of a box from a local Walmart that contained handcuffs. So now it's off to Walmart to continue this investigation. After talking with staff, they get an additional lead. A male sales clerk working at the Walmart picked Jason Massey out of a lineup. He said that on July 22nd, so this is just four days before the double homicide, He was working and sold the man that he picked out of the lineup, Jason Massey, 22 caliber bullets, two knives, and handcuffs. And we know that a 22 caliber was used to kill Brian. Now, I'll put some pictures of Jason up on our Instagram. So if you want to check that out, or also one of his pictures will be the image for the episode. The best way I could describe him is he's not a bad-looking kid. Um, he actually kind of reminds me of Dave Mustaine from the band Megadeth. Mm. Kind of that uh, strawberry blonde hair. It's long. I didn't piece that together, but I, I get what you're talking about. I make, I'm making that connection now, but somewhere Mr. Mustaine is cursing your name, Captain, cursing you. Well, he he can curse me all he wants. In fact, actually, he's not tuning into this show at all. I'm just saying if I was casting the role of Dave Mustaine, young Dave Mustaine, you know, this guy could fit the the role. Yeah. 
so I look, I know it's convenient to shop at places like Walmart because they carry everything. But when you got a guy in the checkout lane and he's purchasing bullets, knives and handcuffs, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, well, the bullet and the do you knife. have a coupon for any of that, sir? Yeah. The bullet and the knife is not that big of a deal. Once you throw the handcuffs in there, you start going, what, what, what are we doing here? Right. Right. So let, let's take this a step further, shall we? Police then learned that a 22 caliber gun, well, it had recently gone missing, magically missing from Jason's grandmother's house. Mm. So he says part of his defense to police is I don't even own a gun. Well, it's looking like you were <laughs> out purchasing bullets and there was a gun that went missing from your grandmother's house, a gun that you had likely had access to did he say i don't even know that lady right she's right. not my grandma so if jason is the guy it turns out he didn't have to own a gun no he could just steal one from a family member now this timeline in the jason is the murderer theory is really filling out nicely for a strong case against this boy it's kind of becoming a no duh mm-hmm well, police went ahead and placed Massey under arrest, but they are not done building their case. They get a search warrant. They want to search his vehicle and his place of residence, and they do. Here are their findings. They find newspaper clippings about the homicides of both Christina and Brian. They find two knives, handcuffs, a hammer. These items were tested. And it was confirmed that they found small amounts of blood on these items. They discovered small blood stains inside Jason's car. Given his horrific hobby of hurting animals, though, that's not really surprising to me. And he has items with blood on them, um, additional items that I don't have listed here, but still no gun or items belonging to the victims. Those were not found. In the car, they also found duct tape, electrical tape, and some more blonde hairs. Even with all of this, what is looking like mounting evidence, Jason is still talking with police but not confessing to anything. In a weird tactic, though, he offers them up a hypothetical. And this is where the killer, whoever that may be, right? Hypothetically. Can you, right. Can you see this conversation? Okay, where the killer, whoever may, that may be, may have disposed of the still missing remains. Mm -hmm. The detectives even went out with him and they walked around in the area where the bodies were found as he was hypothetically telling them where the killer may have put these items. Detectives did try the psychological angle. They made what can only be viewed as strange comments about the crime scene photos when showing them to Jason, they did get what detectives believe to be a reaction from him, from Jason, when he was viewing the crime scene photos, that this was not his first time seeing those images. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning 
today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. 
Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back. It's uh, Jason Massey is a real douche. Mm. Mm. Well, you will be happy to hear, Captain, that Jason Massey was arrested on August 6th. So a lot of investigative efforts went into this in a rather short period of time. The two youths went missing July 26th. Massey is suspected of killing and mutilating the calf on the 28th. The two victims' bodies were found on the 29th of July, and the arrest warrant affidavit for Jason Eric Massey was filed on Friday, August 6th. Some good old-fashioned detective and police work going on in Ellis County, Texas, in the summer of 1993, in my humble garage opinion. Massey's picture was printed in the newspaper. This is going to generate another lead. This is the owner of a car wash. They come forward and they say, hey, I saw this guy that's in the paper, Jason Massey, late one night throwing a whole bunch of stuff into a trash bin. This would have been near midnight. Right. He says that the boy spotted him, the boy being who he believes to be Jason, spotted him and packed up his stuff and left in a hurry. The police went to this trash bin and they're going to start pulling items out of the dumpster. And when they went through the contents from this car washes uh, dumpster and they went through the contents of the car washes vacuum altogether, they recovered some items that we can only look at them as evidence, right? One is a payroll receipt with Jason Massey's name on it. So it appears that, This guy might be right thinking, hey, I think I saw this guy, Jason Massey, there at the car wash that night. They also found a red bandana with blonde hairs stuck to it. And then we have lab results that come in. And these blonde hairs are confirmed to be that or here's the thing with with hair and fiber evidence. You have to keep in mind that what you are getting here is an expert opinion. Mm. Unless they do DNA testing or are able to, we should clarify that, on the hairs themselves, we can't confirm 100% that hairs belong to another person. 
It just doesn't work that way. You you can't you can't run those tests. What you're getting is you're getting an expert's opinion saying this hair matches this hair and this hair came from a victim and this hair came from an item that was found in a vacuum cleaner or in a trash bin. Right, in the suspect's possession. Correct. Correct. Now what about the lab results on these other items that were found these tools? That's right. We still have the the knives the handcuffs, the hammer, and there were several locations within Jason's vehicle where they believed that they found blood stains as well. It was confirmed that on most of these items, it was in fact blood, and the lab results were that that blood matched that of the victim, specifically Christina Benjamin. The thought there being that as far as her his car goes, is that she might have been transported in the car while still bleeding. That's a little a little difficult when I see that statement, Captain, because I've seen other statements that says law enforcement had reason to believe that the victims were killed where or near where they were found. Well, before trial, Jason's defense team requested a change of venue. This was denied. There were two real major highlights at the trial, both coming in favor of the prosecution. One was the testimony from that former friend of Jason's. Remember, this is 18-year-old Christopher Nolan. Nolan told the court that Jason said that he wanted to have sex with Christina Benjamin, and he wanted to kill her and mutilate her. Nolan, being just a really great guy with a good moral compass and a big brain on his shoulders, said, I didn't pay much attention to him because he was always talking about killing girls. So, didn't think to tell anybody about this. Again, this goes back to the, this is the same guy that stuck around him after he witnessed him killing an animal. Or hurting. Animals, as you pointed out. The the man's words were plural. So... Maybe he didn't pay too much attention because by his own testimony at court, he and Massey, their time spent together. He says they spent much of the 1993 summer driving around, drinking and doing LSD and cocaine. Wow. So you have to wonder, does Nolan go? I mean, then you wonder how credible is his testimony, right? This guy's been high on acid and cocaine for the whole summer, and now he's telling me that this guy said this stuff. Um, And also, what is he capable of? Right, right. And therein lies the question, and we we hinted around this earlier before. This Nolan character, Christopher Nolan, he would be one of the two people, one of, you know, when it was stated that two friends were arrested in question in the murders of these two kids. He's one of those people. That's how they get his statements. That's how they get him to court to testify against Jason Massey. The reason why I question the statements in the newspapers at the time, and this was stated in 93 and in 94, and then later by um, people that are against the death penalty I question the statement of Christopher Nolan and this other guy being arrested in connection of the murders. What my belief is, Captain, is that the papers just got that wrong, that they made a leap that wasn't necessary. Christopher Nolan's not a great guy. 
And that's why his testimony, yes, it's in favor of the prosecution, but for reasons we just pointed out with the drug use, he's, he's also a criminal himself. His test, his testimony's not, not super great. What, where I'm going with this is I believe they knew that this guy likely knew both Jason Massey and knew the victims or one of the victims Right. And this guy is somebody you could pick up on other charges. And now you're like, hey, you tell us what you know, because this minor stuff that you did, we don't really care about. Check out what the what the door said when you walked in. This said homicide division. We care about who was killed. We care about these victims that were murdered. This little petty stuff that you're doing, we don't care so much about as long as you tell us and help us out with this homicide investigation. And I say that, and I would be willing to wager what few possessions I actually have because we have every sign pointing to Jason Massey all along the way, right? Just so much evidence and so much things to support him as being the number one prime suspect here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the car, the fact that he knew the victims, the fact that he said he wanted to have sex with one of the victims, uh, his background, his criminal history his um capacity for violence mm -hmm. i mean he's just uh he's one of the worst of the worst and and really i you know i hate to say this but you you almost think that if if he was a little bit more mature or sophisticated as a killer we might there might not be answers in this case and there might be more victims. Right. We, we may not have had so much evidence lead us to Jason Massey. We, we may have been sitting here going, we still don't know who did this. And we talk so much about when, when a small child or when somebody is abducted, we jokingly talk about what I, what I love to report on the old pervert roundup. This mm. is a very similar situation where you're going, okay, we are pretty certain we know who did this. We've arrested this guy. We can't get him to confess. So let's do the, what I'm going to call the loser criminal roundup. Find anybody with a criminal background and, and somebody we know that's out committing crimes that knows the perpetrator or who we believe to be the perpetrator. Right. Let's pick him up and see what this guy will tell us. Now, the second highlight for the state's case this, I love this because, you know, this is so much TV talk, court, court TV talk. It says, then during the trial, a bombshell. Dun, dun. You know, you can <laughs> pick, dun, 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 dun. Law, No, law and order. Yeah. Dun, dun. A bombshell. Well, dun, dun. this is most certainly a bombshell. I'm not laughing about that. But what I'm kind of laughing about is we already have what I believe to be a mountain of evidence against Jason Massey. Yeah. So a bombshell wasn't even required, but still we have one. And the, I'm going to give you the short of it because this is reported on at some length and having discussed all the horrible things that we have so far, I still haven't been able to get to my chicken salad sandwich. So what happens here, captain, we have a hunter who is trekking through the woods. Yeah that stumbles upon a rusty cooler. Okay. He decides to open it up no. to figure out, you know, why is this cooler just randomly out here in the middle of the woods? 
Well, inside he finds what's in the box. Dozens of skulls from animals, small skulls from animals. He also finds four spiral notebooks. Now, these notebooks are titled Slayer's Book of Death, and they're volumes one through four. In at least one of these notebooks, it's also written out the thoughts of Jason Massey. By Jason Massey. (laughs) Well, this seems quite convenient for the state's case. Yeah. This book belongs to Jason Massey. Please return to Jason Massey. Kathleen Ramsland very astutely describes this as Jason Massey's blueprint for murder and mutilation. He detailed his crimes or crimes that he wished to commit. He also detailed his crimes against animals. He said that he particularly liked strangling them and decapitating them so that he could keep their skulls, keeping them as trophies or souvenirs, remember. Massey wrote that killing gave him an adrenaline rush, a high, a turn-on. He had a love to mutilate. He also wrote about his admiration for famous killers, particularly Bundy, Manson, and uh, Lucas. Apparently, he aspired to be... Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the one... Uh, yeah, I killed hundreds of people, but I can't seem to remember where I put any of the bodies. Sorry about that. Um, he... <laughs> He says in his writings that he wants to have better numbers than those killers that he seems to like. And really what I think is fascinating here, though, from an investigative standpoint and for some of the things that we were citing in the trailer, what we see in these notebooks or what the experts say that they see in this in these notebooks right, is... All of this talk, all of these writings start off as fantasies. Mm-hmm. They morph their way into plans. Like Kathleen Ramsland said, a blueprint for murder. It goes from fantasizing about killing to how can I kill? How do I plan on carrying this out? How can I get away with it? Yeah, and we see this later in history as well with uh, Sandy Hook. Um, some of the notes there, or or even like with some of the journaling for Columbine. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like though it's more like a a, a younger, a younger killers thing. Well, in his own writings, Jason Massey describes himself as a murder machine, mm. and he states that he wants to grab society by the throat and shake them with terror until they're awake and realize what's up. So they will remember who I am and when and why I came their way. Grab them by the throat to let them know what's up. Grab society by the throat. To let them know what's up. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not only does he fantasize about killing, mutilating, and raping victims, Captain, but as said, he's planning. But what you're seeing inside of that, too, is the admiration for these other killers and then saying that I want to grab society by the throat and make them remember who I am and when and why I came their way. He wants the notoriety. Right. That he wants he wants to be famous like those people that he's wrote about in his notebooks. He idolizes these individuals. Well, you know, he was tortured and you know, abused and probably made to feel like nothing, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some level there of going, well, I'll show everybody. And and really adopting instead of, um, you know, take it, take it out on the people that abused you. He really, like, adopted that society all has the same uh, views as his abusers. Well, and a lot of times these serial killers, whether they were abused or not, some of them have been, some of them have not been. Right. But a lot of times what they want to do is they perceive or see themselves as a weak person, no matter what show they put on for those around them underneath all of it all, they see themselves as a weak person and they only believe that they can attack, terrorize or control someone weaker than them. Mm-hmm. Now, well, that's why he's, you know, picking cats and right. I mean, there's nothing more innocent than animals. They don't, they don't even know what you're, they don't know why you would be attacking them. Right. In October of 1994, Jason Massey was found guilty of the murders and sentenced to death. Now, while on death row, he converted to Christianity. Clay Strange. Sure he did. Clay Strange is the prosecuting attorney who successfully convicted Jason Massey and got the death penalty for him. Right. He said, quote, it's impossible to assign a motive to a case like this. I think he did it because it was pleasurable to him. And in regards to the four volumes labeled Slayer's Book of Death, Strange said of Massey, quote, it was just playing with numbers and it all centered around killing, generally killing people. But by far his favorite targets were 11 to 13 year old girls. It's almost a miracle we caught him as quickly in his career as we did. He's as evil as anybody I've ever encountered. I've met a lot of people meaner, but no one more evil. In an interview from Death Row, Jason Massey told the Ennis Daily News, I've changed, and people do change. As we grow, we change. I have a lot of anger about the stupid mistakes I made. At the same time, I recognize anger is just an emotion. James King, father and stepfather of the victims, told the Dallas Morning News that he was glad authorities nabbed Massey when they did and that the would-be serial killer didn't have the chance to act more on his fantasies. Mm -hmm. He says, he's the devil. He would have been worse than Ted Bundy. It's a shame he started with kids. Well, and and we see this with a a, a lot of killers, but... It just, his appearance just, and, and some of these pictures, when you pull up these pictures of him, I mean, there's a couple, there's, there's definitely this black and white one where it's just, he, he just, he's a pretty regular looking kid. Well, there's a lot of pictures and this is maybe after he becomes, uh, um, a Christian in his eyes or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, where there, he's smiling a lot in the picture. Uh, so he comes off as happy. Mm -hmm. Um, there were pictures of him at the time of his arrest and, and going into trial where he is smiling and appears to be happy. And some people wonder if that's because he's getting the notoriety that he sought by being arrested, by being taken to trial. And he was even nicknamed the cherub 
face killer because he is so young looking. Yeah. And again, he, I mean, he, he's 20. I I've called him a boy a few times. He's a man, but he, he's got a very boyish mm-hmm. baby face or whatever you want to call it. And that's, what's always shocking to people when they, when they hear about a crime so horrible and horrific as this one. And then they see in the paper two weeks later, Oh, this is the guy we think that did it. And then people expect to see a grotesque looking monster. And often that's not the case. He's just a, just a 20 year old average looking kid. Well, I also wondered too, uh, some, some of these individuals we've seen it with Bundy and, and others that, or, or I'd say the best example I could give would be Dahmer where he would say, okay, I, I committed this horrible murder. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then the urges and the fantasies and stuff would grow and grow and grow and they would do another murder. And so it's like, yeah, the, this was just his first murder, but maybe there was something about getting caught that he's like, okay, well, I, I don't want to have these urges. I don't want to have these thoughts. I don't want to have whatever. I thought about that too, and I considered it for a while until I took into account the fact that after he murdered the two teenagers, he was seen behind the McDonald's killing another animal. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's like, well, I I killed these people now, and I'm still not arrested. Yeah. So maybe it's... I think he was still worked up from from the, the murders themselves, and still working through that. What we are very lucky in regards to is that this moron couldn't keep his mouth shut. Right. He needed to, you almost wonder like is writing about all of these horrible, violent fantasies. Was that drawing that out of him and making it a reality sooner? Or was it delaying it by having him live through the pages and through his words or through telling friends while he's on LSD that he wants to kill and mutilate. We don't know. There's, there's no way for us to discern that, but it's an interesting thing to, to ponder. Well, he's a piece of shit and he deserves to die. Well, on April 3rd, 2001 in Huntsville, Mm -hmm. the state of Texas was ready to carry out the execution death sentence of convicted murderer Jason Eric Massey, Texas State Prisoner number 999121. Mm -hmm. His final meal, it's a big one, Jason's last meal was three fried chicken quarters, fried squash, fried eggplant, mashed potatoes, snap peas, boiled cabbage, three corn on the cob, spinach, broccoli and cheese, one pint of caramel pecan fudge, tin roof ice cream and a pitcher of sweet tea to wash all that good stuff down. Jesus. That's like 10,000 calories. <laughs> might be, might be more than that. Now, remember it was, it was after this, that Texas changed their rule on these, these meals because they were getting crazy. They now have put a he, limit on. Was he the asshole that ruined it for everybody? No. Um, the guy that ruined it for everybody. We actually covered this on the show. Yeah. It was... Uh, I can't remember his name. I, I'm going to tell you right now. It was Lawrence Russell Brewer. He uh-huh. was one of the racist Nazi fucks that killed... Jesus. 
Yeah. Well, there's no other way for me to describe him. He was killed uh, James, James Bird. Bird. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one that ordered all. He ordered more food than that than what we just went through. And I'm not going to go through the whole menu here of what Brewer ordered, but he ordered a ton of food. And then all of a sudden, when they delivered, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not hungry." And so they did away with that in part because people were just taking advantage of such a thing. Now, in Jason's final statement, Mm -hmm. he said, I would first like to speak to the victim's family. First of all, I would like to say that I do not know any of y'all, and that's unfortunate because I would like to apologize to each and every one of you individually. I can't imagine what I've taken from you, but I do want to apologize, and I want to let you know that I did do it. You guys know that I am guilty and I am sorry for what I have done. I apologize and I know you may not be able to forgive me in this life and in this world, but I hope sometime in the future you will be able to find it in you to forgive me. And I want you to know that Christina, she did not suffer as much as you think she did. I promise you that. I give you my word. I know you guys want to know where the rest of her remains are, I put her remains in the Trinity River. I have said that since I have come to death row, I want to apologize to you again. One thing that I find interesting here, Captain, that we don't often get in these situations is this deathbed confession. We don't have to sit here and wonder all of these years later, did they convict the right guy or the wrong guy? We saw from the evidence at trial, it all looked like it was him, but there was still some question if there was somebody else involved or somebody else in the vehicle when Jason picked up these two kids. It appears by his deathbed confession that he is taking on full responsibility of having committed these murders and at least saying where he put the rest of the remains. Right, and he's also claiming that this is not the first time he's confessed to this. Since he's been on death row. Yeah, he went on to say a lot of things. He had a rather lengthy final statement. The next part, he addresses his family, and I I feel like I'm giving him too much to to go through that. I mean, people can find it. You can find it online or in the old newspapers if you dig deep enough. Regarding mainstream media of this case and this story, there was an episode on Forensic Files titled pure evil i watched that it it was sessional choline mm-hmm. what <laughs> it's it's this guy chris D'Elia bit because he watches oh. that show all the time he's like and then they have words like and then uh, we find some sessional choline oh it's some word we've never heard yeah i like the show i didn't like this episode i thought that it was not very detailed i don't think i've it left Really a lot of, it just wasn't a great episode. It it was, it didn't tell the whole story. In my opinion, (laughs) there is a book out there called born bad by Bill Cox. Mm -hmm. And it's described as a close up look at teenage killer, Jason Massey and describes his fascination with serial killers, Ted Bundy and Henry Lee Lucas childhood torture experiments and brutal rape, murder and mutilation of a young girl. And then the killing of another teenage boy. I was unable to get my hands on that book. It looks like it could be pretty interesting. But again, I do want to point out that Catherine Ramsland's article that she wrote for the crime library, for Court TV's old crime library, some of the 
older true crime fans will remember reading that back in the day quite a bit. But her article that is available online is titled All About Jason Massey from Victim to Victimizer. And really, I think that's the best thing available out there if you want to learn more about this horrific story. Just real quick, uh, update in the Ahmad Arbery case. The trial has started. A lot of people believe that this father and son that hunted down Ahmad, it was racially motivated. I think now there's evidence that has come out in the trial that supports that. And then, to me, they should be charged with a hate crime. Therefore, the penalty would be a lot more severe. It's hard to cover those cases uh, when they're so new and so lack of information, but these are also important cases to cover. And now with the trial happening, we will have more updates and obviously more information as the trial continues. It's really good to see that everything in regards to that case continues to move in the right direction. A little recommended reading before we wrap things up today here, Captain, if you will. We are recommending Confessions of a Serial Killer, the untold story of Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. This is by Catherine Ramson. Through jailhouse visits, telephone calls, and written correspondence, Catherine worked with Raider himself to analyze the layers of his psyche. Using his drawings, letters, interviews, and Raider's unique codes, she presents in meticulous detail the childhood roots and development of one man's motivation to stalk, torture, and kill. This book is incredible. Make sure you check it out. Again, it's called Confessions of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader and the BTK Killer. Yeah, make sure you subscribe and make sure you give us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps out the show. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.